What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Benton, here to introduce this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Coming to you day late. Sorry about that. Matt is in a remote location. Had some technical difficulties yesterday when we tried to record, so we did it again this morning. Happy that we did. High-quality rip. Good old get-together between Uncle Matt and Marty. A lot to talk about. A lot going on in the world right now. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful Friday. Let's end the week on a good note freaks let's go into the weekend with some energy with some rhr all right this rip was brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking cash app cash that's help you stack sets send sets receive sets and sell sets if you so please we're saying sats 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 because sats are the standard. There's 100 million Satoshis in one Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of Bitcoin. You can stack whole sats and cash app. makes that extremely easy. You can DCA into sats. You can buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly. You can set it and forget it. Uh, you can get sats back with their boost program sometimes. Your boost program, you use their boost card. It's accepted anywhere. Visa is accepted. Uh, and you have the boost enabled. And you get cash back or sats back sometimes. Cash App can also be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers to get your paychecks direct deposited into the app, streamlining the stat stacking even quicker. Um, Cash App's doing incredible things. If you haven't down- downloaded it yet, make sure you do so using the code StackingSats, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10 when you download the app using that code, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> Owls Lacrosse. This was also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to bring you freaks incredible services. We're here to talk about their Wake Love Concierge service. It's going to take you from zero to having a multi-sig vault set up with a thousand cuck bucks worth of Bitcoin in it in no time. All right. So what what's going to happen is uh, you tell them TFTC sent you. You're going to get fifty dollars off right off the bat. Uh, and then the Unchained team is then going to walk you through uh, multi-sig. What is a multi-sig wallet? They're going to have video conferences with you. They're going to walk you through their Vault program specifically. What? How does their Vault product work? How do you interact with it? The way it happens or the way, way it gets set up is you, you hold two keys. They hold one key. Unchained holds one key. It's a two or three multi-sig. Since you hold two keys, you always have full control over your sats in the multi-sig Vault uh, but if you're ever in a pinch and you need Unchained to be that second and two or three signature, they are there for you. Again, they're going to make you fully comfortable with this process. They're going to get you um, uh, familiar with it. They're going to get you hardware wallets, you know, help you get comfortable setting up that hardware wallet, protecting the seed phrase, uh, protecting the derivation path of the uh, multi-sig wallet. Uh, and then on top of that, at the end of the day, when you're all comfortable, they're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into the wallets. They're going to take you from zero to a multi-sig with a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in the wallet in no time. All right, they're going to they're going to hold your hand with their white glove. You're going to wipe your ass a little bit if you need it. So we have a special link to this offer in the show notes. So go check that out there, um, and then go check out everything else Unchained is doing. Uh, their blog, their other services. Uh, they're, they're doing incredible things. They're growing. They're expanding. 
They're doing great things for Bitcoin. So go check them out at www.unchained-capital.com. That's www.unchained-capital.com. Uh, this rip is also brought to you by good friends at HODL HODL. HODL HODL is here to bring a lending platform to you freaks. Lend.hodlhodl.com is a new non-custodial, no KYC, no AMO, completely open uh, platform that allows you to, to use your Bitcoin as collateral and get uh, stablecoin liquidity immediately. So the way it happens is you put your your Bitcoin up as collateral. You find a counterparty who's willing to lend out their stable coins. You put your your Bitcoin in a multi-sig escrow. You hold one key. Counterparty holds one key. Hoddle hoddle holds a third key. Uh, and so the beauty of this is that you always have visibility into the multi-sig, meaning that you know that your your sats aren't being rehypothecated by anything. It's a beautiful thing. You don't want your sats to be rehypothecated. You want to know that they're not being lent out. Hoddle Hoddle makes that easy to do by leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties and letting you hold a key. Um, and so if you don't want to sell your Bitcoin and need some liquidity, go to lend.hoddlehoddle.com. If you have some stable coins laying around and you're going to get some yield on them, go on the other side of that marketplace. Put your stable coins up to be lent out uh, at an interest rate. and People will <clears throat> put their Bitcoin up as collateral, get your stable coins, and then pay you back an in interest. Uh, so go check it out lend.hoddlehoddle.com last but not least this rep was brought to you by our good friends at Brains 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 OS Plus alright Brains OS Plus is the firmware that Brains is offering the Brains team tells me that the slush pool update is planned for July okay they're just triple and quadruple checking everything in simulations to make sure it's a silky smooth transition when the update goes live it's coming soon tm july is what we're hearing meanwhile the latest update for brains os plus firmware <coughs> from the for brains os plus firmware team includes full support for Miner s17e and t17e as well as some significant improvements to the auto tuning for all x17 devices and is available now at brains.com slash os slash plus it's brains b-r-a-i-i-n-s dot com slash os slash plush since network hash rate is at one year lows due to the china crackdown now's a great time for miners to juice up their asics with auto tuning firmware and stack even more sats take advantage freaks take advantage for those that know don't know how it works it mostly comes down to the silicon of the hashing chips there are small variations in the silicon quality of every chip in an asic typically stock firmwares that come with the machines treat the entire device as a uniform unit, sending the same frequency of voltages through the hashboards. Brains OS Plus boosts performance by experimenting with different frequencies and voltages on each individual chip to learn which chips are higher quality than others. Uh, then it calibrates to send more work for higher quality chips and less work for lower quality ones. The end result of the, this per-chip tuning is more hash, and thus more sats per watt of power consumed. Currently supported devices are the Antminer S9, S9i, S9j, as well as the S17, S17 Plus, S17 Pro, T17, T17 Plus, and the ones just added, the S17E and T17E. 
Next up are What's Miners, of course, which, along with the S19 from Bitnain. Stay tuned, TM, for more updates on the firmware and slush pool and check out insights.brains.com. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com for content, stats, charts, and mining profitability tools to stay up to, up on top of everything happening in the mining industry. Shout out to the Brains team. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to you freaks. Still on, uh, still on the mend here, getting back into it. So bear with me. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. And we're going live. So the ball's in your court. The ball is in my court. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. A day late. Sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties yesterday. Matt is uh, in a remote location, living his best life. We're here, though. Early Friday morning rep. Let's end the week on a good note. Matt, are we going to get overly emotional today? Is that is that what we're here to do? No, we're gonna have a nice, quiet, level-headed conversation with um, minimal emotions. We're just, just a very monotone hour and a half. Maybe we'll target. We can. I can. I think we can definitely do that. So we're gonna drop into our NPR voices today. We're gonna we're gonna keep our quiet tone. We're not gonna get too toxic if you will we're just here to talk about bitcoin a peer-to-peer distributed cash system on a friday afternoon in june a lot going on this week matthew what are you most excited about right now well so i mean i'm gonna have to lean on you a bit here because i have been i took a step back from the internet and bitcoin twitter for the last week Uh, i've just been enjoying nature which has been really good for the soul. Um, I know there's been a lot of panic on the streets, uh, which is kind of what I love. Uh, It's like my favorite time in the space is when just everyone is losing their shit and there's bears everywhere. Um, It very much does feel like stackers paradise right now. Haters out in full force. You know, I check Twitter. I've been checking Twitter, like trying to keep it down to once a day. Um, Just trying to keep my phone used to a minimum. And uh, every time I check, it's just like uh, my notifications are just filled with absolute haters, uh, which is usually bullish as fuck. And you just love to see it. Yeah. <coughs> water good on water good on. Look, go down the wrong pipe. <coughs> Crazy buy signals, in my opinion. I'm gonna like everybody's just hate, 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 hate on Bitcoin. Kramer selling it. He's like, oh, I'm in Ethereum now. I'm in China Bitcoin. It's like this is this is like stack stacking opportunity alarm bells are going off all over the place in my mind as well. Kramer tweeting Kramer 
panic selling on Tether FUD and Chinese uh, uh, Bitcoin uh, banning FUD is the most mainstream eternal September we've ever had. Like this is this is almost exactly the kind of FUD that wrecked people last cycle. But this time is coming from like a mainstream finance talking head who has a Bitcoin podcast every morning. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty unreal to watch. I think uh, a lot of us that kind of expected this phenomenon to happen, but to actually watch it happen in real time is uh, a little bit unreal, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot going on. It's, I mean, Bitcoin is, I wrote about it in the bent last night. I've watched, for some reason, I watched a lot of CNBC this week and it's crazy. I focused on ESG and their coverage of ESG, but they've been talking about Bitcoin at least once every 20 minutes on every show. Um, at least. It's basically the most watched Bitcoin podcast network in the world now. Like that's what CNBC has become. They've just become a another Bitcoin show. Yeah, but it's a pretty um, Bitcoin show. They have. Well, look, most Bitcoin shows are filled with shitcoiners. Uh, this is a prolific thing that's happened. It always happens. Uh, when we started this show, I think the Bitcoin only landscape was very small. Um, it's been fantastic to watch how much it's exploded. And there's just so much Bitcoin only content available. But historically, the majority of Bitcoin content was intermixed with tons of shitcoin content. And that's what CNBC is, right? It's just they have shit shitcoin equities and you know shitcoin fiat that they're talking about all the time and shitcoin bonds that they're talking about all the time. And actually, um, but it's the same kind of concept, right? Yeah, they had uh, they had Katie Hahn from Anderson Horowitz. They were parading her around yesterday, uh, the woman who persecuted Ross Ulbricht, and she was shilling NFTs and all that bullshit. And Anderson Horowitz new two point two billion dollar fund. Uh, you hate to see, and she was being paraded around as like an expert, like industry leader made me sick, sick to my stomach but before we get in everything let's get to the dashboard well before we get to the dashboard marty i just yeah. want to say you're, you're looking a lot better today than you did yesterday do you want to talk to the freaks a little bit about what you've gone through the last week yeah i just uh have a, a bit of an illness uh getting back on my feet and feeling good feeling good knocked on my ass for a few days there um I was, COVID, right <laughs> He's going to put me on the spot. Yeah. Of yeah. course I'm going to put you on the spot. We've been talking about it all fucking year. <laughs> I got, I, I got the vid. Um, and, uh, yeah, been recovering from it. Ivermectin. It works. Uh, really turned my life around within, uh, within a couple of hours. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think I had caught it down in Miami during the conference and, uh, lagged a little bit and didn't catch me till, um, really like Sunday, Sunday morning of this week, um, knocked me on my ass for a few days, got my hands on some ivermectin and feeling a lot better now. So there are treatments out there. I highly recommend ivermectin. If any of you guys get it, the sooner the better. Um, but it is not easy to get. I did have to like haggle a couple pharmacies to, to actually fill a, a prescription of ivermectin. Was it a prescription or it wasn't over the counter? Yeah, it was a prescription. Well, you look vis visibly better than yesterday, so I'm glad you're on the app. Thank you. No, I think the content's gonna gonna shine through today. Uh, 
according to Clark's th- dashboard, the price of Bitcoin is $33,085. One cuck buck's going to get you 3,023 sats. It's the most sats you've been able to get with the cuck back on RHR in some time. Uh, we are block height 688,795. Uh, the next difficulty adjustment is in 677 blocks, estimated to be on July 1st, 2021, and it is going to be a negative 21% difficulty adjustment as of right now. It's because blocks are coming in at 12 minutes and 39 seconds on average since the last retarget. <clears throat> that is due, obviously, because of the great Chinese mining exodus that is going on right now. There are 15,176 transactions in Clark's mempool. Uh, transaction fees, not that high. Uh, and there, ooh, a drop from we recorded yesterday, but not a precipitous drop. Uh, Samurai unspent capacity whirlpool is 2,995.39 BTC. We popped over 3K for a little bit there. Yeah, back under, back under. Yeah, so where should we start? You want to start with the Chinese migration? You want to start with? 3,000 Bitcoin in post-Whirlpool UTXOs, and the haters would have you believe that no one uses that shit. That's, you know, that's that's a lot of fucking Bitcoin. Could it be more? Yeah, sure. Well, let's make it higher. Yeah. Start Whirlpool and freaks. Get your Ronin dojos set up. Get the sats in there. Be conscious of fees. All that good stuff. Well, Marty, you know, the the mempools, the mempools are never going to have a backlog, so we don't have to worry about fees. It'll just be one sat per byte forever. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Is, do you think it's really it's crazy that the mempool like clearing so aggressively now could be because blockchain.info upgraded to SegWit finally? Like, do you think that's it? I think most people are using custodial regulated platforms and they're not withdrawing from exchanges. And if they do withdraw from exchanges, they're sending it to a custodial regulated wallet. What custodial regulated wallet? Well, like, you know, uh, Anchorage and Coinbase custody and what? It's a fact that like blockchain.info is like the most used right sure the 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 bulls the on-chain bulls would have you believe that uh it's a combination of segwit which has a lower fee burden um based on the weighting mechanism the segwit addresses and lightning which is lightning is inherently a batch transaction and then also more efficient use by exchanges of batch transactions you know native on-chain batch transactions, ideally with SegWit to reduce their block space burden. Um, Sure, those all contribute to it. But I think ultimately, most people that are getting onboarded right now are not taking custody of their own keys. And they don't have, they don't have an on-chain role, that presence, right? Freaks, if you're new, Go through the process, start learning how to take possession of your own keys. And like I said, we talked about this last week or a couple of weeks ago. There's definitely a lag, though, like a six to seven month lag period of first purchase on a custodial exchange to, all right, maybe I should take control of my keys. Not everybody goes through it, but 
certainly a percentage of the funnel does. Oh, a hundred percent. I think it's even longer than that for most people. And I, I'm not, I'm not trying to blame the freaks. I think the freaks are, I think our people are, are the exception to that rule for the most part. Yes. Um, but I, I, I think it's awfully convenient. I'm extremely bullish. I'm always fucking bullish. So don't accuse me of being a fucking bear about it. But I think it's easy to get into this like lazy excuse making where you're just like, oh, it's all rosy and stuff. Like I think in practice, I expected more people to be consuming block space at this point in Bitcoin's history than are currently doing so. And I think most of that is because of these custodial services and exchanges. you know, if you want to go get your 6% interest on BlockFi and use your favorite influencers reflink to do it, you know, you're leaving the chain and you're going over to BlockFi, right? And you're going to keep their, you're going to give them custody of your coins and they're going to go and they're going to mix it in with Gemini's wallets and lend it out and do all this other fucking shit. And you're not going to see that on chain, right? Yeah. Um, Speaking of that, custodial wallets, let's just segue right into something that happened overnight that we didn't get to talk about yesterday when we tried to record first. Uh, <clears throat> the El Salvador uh, wallet, Chizo, I think, is the uh, the government issued wallet that they're they're giving to the citizens and airdropping thirty dollars worth of Bitcoin. And what are your what are your thoughts on this? This seems uh, this seems I don't, I'm not a big fan of it off the bat. What are your thoughts? I haven't really, he announced it yesterday, I believe. Yeah, he gave like a presentation. It was a fully, it was a fully Spanish presentation, which is fair. You know, that is their language. Um, <laughs> Would you expect him to speak to the country of El Salvador? <laughs> no, my point is, is that I don't really understand the specifics of that, of that wallet. Do you, are, do you, are you aware of like, it, is it forked from an open source wallet? I assume it's completely custodial. One of the, aspects I saw is that that you can seamlessly switch between US dollars and Bitcoin. So to me, in my head, what I think is, you know, like a white label version of strike for a country, but I'm not sure. Are you aware of if it forked from a project or if it's open source or if it's custodial or non custodial or any of the important specifics? I'm not aware. I think I mean, I think you do have to register for it. I think you have to tie your identity to it, obviously. Um, I'm not aware if it's forked from anything. Uh, they used the help of Strike. Camilla Campton is saying in the in the show, uh, excuse me, in the uh, comments. Live chat. Live chat. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully. You said it, it definitely has KYC. Yeah, it's Chivo, not Chizo. Um, it's Chivo, C-H-I-V-O. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think this is kind of what you would expect in this type of situation is that you'd have a custodial KYC wallet that allows people to move in and out of fiat and Bitcoin. Um, and you give that to people as like a base level, uh, if, if they need to accept Bitcoin as a merchant and they have no experience or, or know what they're doing. And specifically with, you know, we have critics who say, uh, that the legal tender bill says, you know, you have to accept Bitcoin if you have the means to do it. And this kind of wallet allows people to basically just accept Bitcoin as digital dollars. Um, 
if you saw a government move to ban cash and remove cash and move you on to a completely digitized system, this is exactly what you would see without Bitcoin, right? Where you'd have a custodial KYC platform that they have complete control. I don't think it solves any kind of the unbanked issues. The whole reason people are unbanked is because of regulatory cost and regulatory burden and, and being able to identify people and push them through KYC systems. The nice thing though, is that you have that, which is not a great setup, but it is what it is. And it's kind of what we'd expect, especially in the introductory periods. But you also have this open monetary network in Bitcoin that ideally, I, I assume that wallet can, I, I hope that that wallet can pay a lightning invoice and receive from other lightning wallets, right? And as long as it connects into that open system, um, then users and citizens will have a choice to use a non-KYC, non-custodial alternative. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I, th I think the important thing is that users don't have to use this wallet to use Bitcoin within El Salvador. They can use non-custodial open source software as well, I believe. I think this is just um, the government trying to provide a service if you want to get the thirty dollars that they're giving out, I think you have to download Chivo and do the KYC and all that good stuff, but or all that crummy stuff. But um, yeah, I mean they're rolling this out pretty quickly. Was it announced three weeks ago? They've already got a wallet being launched and they're giving out thirty dollars to worth of Bitcoin. Worth of Bitcoin, yeah. Which I guess they can instantly convert if they want to. Yeah which is a common tactic to just encourage people to install an app or something. I do, you know, want to push back a little bit, right? It's like this kind of app is going to be very good for financial surveillance, right? So it, it would be nice to see, you know, maybe in the beginning, a higher percentage of Salvador, El Salvadorians will use um, this app for Bitcoin, but we'll move to more private alternatives. I hope to see that that's something I think we should watch. I think on the flip side, um, if you have like a popular mobile wallet or, you know, custodial wallet that has a lot of private information uh, that could be logging a lot of private information, whether that's IP addresses or, you know, on-chain addresses or lightning transactions, if it's a custodial wallet, and then it gets purchased by a KYC regulated company, um, you could have a lot of the similar issues and it could happen in a situation where the user isn't even aware that that it's going to be connected to KYC records in the future. So at least here, at least here, it's it's already it, it should be more visible to the user, I assume, because they're going to come in and they're going to have to provide their ID and stuff uh, than if if something flips to KYC after the fact, um, which I expect us to see more of in the future. So. Uh, in either regard, you know, we really just want users to hold their own keys, not use custodial services, and ideally use wallets that use their own node or use a friend's node so that they're not leaking all this network level information, um, you know, IP addresses, stuff like that, to lightning transactions to a centralized provider. Yep. We need more uh, TO gyms in El Salvador getting, uh, getting people set up with nodes and helping people get connected to their node. Tio is uncle in Spanish, if, uh, if you didn't under, understand that, Matt. Um, I mean, I'm very aware. 
I speak decent Spanish. I, I can understand Spanish. I just, I speak it better when I'm drunk. I, I do as well. I do as well. I do, I do a lot of things better when I'm drunk. Are you drinking on this, uh, on this episode today? No, I'm, I'm in the Eastern time zone, so it is in the morning right now. I understand you've been drinking a lot of rum this week. I have been. How's, how's that? How's that for a drunk, a rum drunk? It's very summery. Have you been singing a lot? No. No. Okay. All right. Well, next topic, Chinese migration. It's happening. As I alluded to while on the dashboard, hash rates fallen pretty significantly. Blocks are coming in and out in 12 minutes and 40 seconds on average. Uh, looks like China's finally cracking down. Uh, the Bitmain had a big VIP conference last weekend in which they were uh, letting their big clients know where there's, they may be able to uh, end up in, in the U.S. specifically. Uh, and Kevin Zhang from uh, Foundry Services shared a slide from uh, that presentation which uh, highlighted over 10 gigawatts of capacity in the U.S. Uh, by 2022. Um I'm a bit skeptical that that's going to be able to uh, be fulfilled within quick order. Capacity uh, in the U.S. is already um, pretty tight for for North American miners alone, um, but then taking on an influx of the largest part of the mining industry on top of that over the next two years seems uh, a bit wishful, if you will. Um, so I think this migration is definitely happening. Miners are definitely unplugged. They're definitely either sitting in warehouses in route to uh, places that did have capacity. Um, but I think a lot of these miners are going to sit on the sidelines for a bit um, just because the, the generation capacity needed to fulfill um, that demand needs to be built out. And that takes time, 9 to 18 months at the earliest in a lot of places. Um, and when you consider the the amount of of pure hash rate that's looking for for new homes uh i think it's going to take quite a while um for all those chinese miners to find homes but it uh, looks like it is it is real this time matt my my chinese mining sources seem to have uh confirmed reliable sources in china hey they turned out to be reliable this time well i mean look i said a couple weeks ago or a month ago that what I wanted to see was some, you know, more verifiable proof um, that this kind of crackdown is happening uh, because we've seen time and time again that you cannot really believe anything that's coming out of China and everyone has a book to sell you. Um, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, the overwhelming majority of accounts talking about the end of mining in China are American miners, but, you know, we'll leave that for another day. Um, I, I, I'm very surprised if this is actually the case is if this is actually what the Chinese government is doing. Um, if you wanted to have more control over Bitcoin, uh, it'd be better to identify and regulate and control the miners within your borders rather than kicking them out of your borders and letting them leave with their machines. Um, so if that is the case. Um, I think it will go down as one of the biggest blunders in CCP's history. Um, 
that's not to say they don't make mistakes. So maybe they are making that mistake. Um, I, I, I clearly there's a, a ton of hash moving out of China. Uh, I wonder what the magnitude of that is. Um, Cause I've seen some reports that say like 90% of all hash rate in China is going to be out of the country within the next month or so. Um, usually when you see numbers that high about anything, it's <clears throat> yeah. kind of filled with bullshit. Yeah. I don't think 90% um, is the right number. I've, my Chinese mining sources have told me that there are um, many like under the radar operations that are still up and running. And yes, yeah, so this really attacked um, the bigger operations. I think last year uh, there was an initiative to have the big mining farms officially register with the government. Um, and I believe a lot of them uh, went along with that and, and went through the proper registration and, I think those were the main ones targeted this time around too. So the ones that actually went, did all the paperwork and the KYC. Yeah. The KYC. It's almost like the first step is you KYC your targets. And then after you have them under your thumb, you fucking push. Yeah. And so that's, that. it's shame, right? They tried to comply and like be within, within the books and, and actually turned out, uh, came to backfire on them getting forced out and it's yeah it's a real shame right like and we've said this many times on the podcast like the chinese mining industry is arguably the most ruthlessly competitive part of the bitcoin industry to date the first 12 and a half years right like they've they've innovated they're ruthless they're like very capitalistic it's as ironic being in uh in china that you have this crazy capitalistic industry in the Bitcoin mining industry, whether it be at the actual mining of the Bitcoin or the, the creation of the ASICs and the, the computers that make it go around. Um, and it's, yeah, I've seen videos of uh, actual Chinese minor citizens leaving China being like, all right, we can't do this here. I'm leaving. Um, and so we apparently saw videos of, uh, of people just collapsing from COVID in the middle of the Chinese streets this time last year. So we've also seen videos that have been just constantly from other, you know, storms and shit that happened that they're like, Oh, the Chinese miners just got flooded and all the machines broke and stuff. This is a bit different though, right? Like, I don't know, Marty. All I can say is to, to, to distill what my point is, I guess, um, is that no one should be surprised if authoritarian governments try and stop their people from using freedom money and try to actively fight Bitcoin. Um, if this is the tactic, just kicking out miners and letting them leave with their hash power, um, we dodged a bullet. That is fantastic. That is best case scenario. If, if the Chinese want to attack Bitcoin by kicking out hash rate, and letting it leave their borders and from where they can control it. Um, if the US government wants to do that, that'd be fantastic. That, that would be the best way, the worst way for them to attack Bitcoin, but the best way for us. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I think it's gonna be an epic blunder. Um, you mentioned this yesterday when we, when we spoke, but like it, like it seems throughout history that China's always had 
been on the cusp of being able to take uh, take the stance of like a great superpower. Um, and maybe we'll look back decades from now if Bitcoin is as successful as we believe it should be and, and will be. Uh, China making this move, uh, just especially considering how much hash rate had within its borders and how much um, good things it had going for it in, in the Bitcoin world. Um, this move may be looked at as just a, a complete shot in the foot um, and setting it back decades, if not centuries, um, because uh, they just did not like that. There was a, a free peer-to-peer distributed cash system within their borders. And yeah, so like a, a couple of the reasons that uh, people are, are throwing out there for the abrupt uh kick out of the miners uh capital flows obviously mining allows you to take your yuan buy electricity with it produce bitcoin and then send that bitcoin wherever you want in the world and can skirt uh capital controls um and <clears throat> secondarily and not secondarily probably primarily um it seems that uh, the chinese grid system is becoming better connected uh they're better able to um uh, transfer electricity to Chinese citizens. And so with the increased interconnectedness of the electricity grid, Bitcoin miners started directly competing more with Chinese consumers for electricity and that this became politically untenable. Um, and so and Chinese government said, hey, the citizens need this electricity. We need you to get the hell out. Um, and so with that being said, that should be a lesson to uh, everybody throughout the world that's taking in some of these miners as well. These political risk on the grid exist where you live too. When push comes to shove, if Bitcoin miners are consuming electricity and competing with local consumers, uh, the local consumers are going to get priority over Bitcoin mining. And so this does not preclude uh, miners in the United States or anywhere else and are mining on grid from getting kicked off because of political reasons as well. So be aware of that. Think off grid. I think that's the future of mining uh, throughout the world, not only in the U.S. or anywhere particularly. Well, I mean, I think on a long enough timescale, mining has the opposite of what people usually see, which is it has diseconomies of scale, where I think, you know, twofold, basically you're able to get cheaper energy in smaller amounts you know, the cheapest energy, you're not going to be able to necessarily have a huge, massive warehouse to do it. And the second thing is, um, is, is, is what you just kind of described, which is this regulatory burden, this regulatory risk that you you face if you're a larger operation, specifically, if you're a larger operation on grid, um, I expect smaller operations that are not only professional off grid operations, but also smaller operations that may be are you know subsidizing heat for boilers and hot water and stuff like that and, and smaller and and home miners right stuff like we see with our buddy uh econo alchemist or diverter where they have or 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 neil ronan uh ronan miner where you have you know 10 to 12 miners in your in your house or in your shed or something on your property and maybe you're willing to mine a little bit of a loss because you have kyc coins kyc free coins um, the main, the main thing that has been pushing that 
away from reality so far has been that the ASIC life cycle hasn't been that long, um, but we're already seeing that start to extend uh, with the S9s. I mean, the S9s have been profitable for half a decade or something now, right? Like six years, some of them, yeah. That's insane, right? So that's exactly what you want to see because if you do like one of these small level operations, you don't want to see your hardware just go out of, uh, you know, become obsolete within six months, seven months. And then because the bigger companies always have an easier job sourcing the new hardware. So having that older hardware last longer and longer, I think really just helps distribute hash rate and we'll see it go to smaller operations around the world. And right now we're kind of in this uh, like muddy transition period. Um, and that's why like China's, if, if, if everything we're hearing is to, believe, is to be believed, the CCP is making a massive mistake here and basically pushing that pushing us past that point of no return where we go to a world where, you know, no specific jurisdiction or country or region in the world will have more than let's say 30% of the ash. Yeah. Thank you. CCP. Thank you G for the, uh, for the assist. Are they really that? That's like, this is where like, now I like try to put my Chinese 40 chess hat on. Are they really that dumb to let this happen like this? What do you I guess think? we'll see. They yeah. don't, you know, they, they, they're pretty, uh, they've had pretty effective policy in, in other regards in terms oh, of, of their influence and expansion around the world. So, so how, yeah, like how could this be, how could the, I don't want to say backfire, but like what could the long con be here? What could the long con be? Well, the easiest long con is that they're just fucking, that this isn't actually happening, that the majority of the miners are just being put on lists and KYC'd up the kazoo and they're regulatory capturing them while pushing this narrative to kind of drive down the price of Bitcoin and deflate our sales, which is a narrative they pushed many times in the past, which is just a very simple, you know, China's, China's banning Bitcoin, just create some fear. Um, but in reality, what they're doing is gearing up for a 51% attack. Um, alternatively, you could just see some basic regulatory capture where they just have their own blacklists and they force their miners to try and um, not mine those kind of transactions and push up the price of those kind of transactions, specifically privacy preserving transactions. They can also quietly have miners submit all their XPUB data and submit all their UTXO data so that they're building a surveillance system on the side that no one really knows how big their data set is. Um, and they can make it so, you know, if, if you're a Chinese mining pool and you want to pay out to your individual miners, then all those miners have to be KYC to subset, something like that. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Um, <clears throat> That is uh, one of the things that people are saying is driving the price lower too is a lot of these miners uh, have to pay to move their stuff out of China. So they're having to sell Bitcoin that they would otherwise have held. And that's why we're, we dropped below 30 temporarily earlier this week and are hovering in the low 30s. Yeah, I mean, it's easy for us to say in the Western world uh, oh, this is, you know, the 10th time Chinese 
you know, banning Bitcoin FUD isn't going to get me. But if you're a rich Chinese miner and you're already on the CCP's radar, like absolutely you're going to fucking panic, you know, rather than than hodl, you know, of course, you're going to try and get some cushion um, and protect yourself a bit. Like that's just natural. And that's why it's been effective in the past. Whenever they 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 announce that they're going to be some kind of restrictions or whatever, it's usually met with panic. Um, I saw, I think yesterday or today, Poulin announced that they're stopping payouts on their, uh, they have those, they have these cloud mining tokens where if you hold the token, you get a proportion of that hash rate return. Um, and they just stopped the payouts completely for that, which is another case of, you know, why cloud mining should never be done by anybody. If it's not your machines. It's not, you know, your Bitcoin. Um, but but that's that's them panicking, right? That's them, you know, not sure what the regulatory environment is going to be. So they just cut off the maybe they're just using it as an excuse so that they can take the Bitcoin instead of sending it out to customers right now. But yeah, just interesting watching it all play out. <clears throat> really is. This is a historic moment in Bitcoin's history. I mean, if it is, if it is true, if it is happening, it does seem to be happening at least to a certain degree. Um, seismic shift in in the dynamics of the network particularly the mining uh industry this is a huge opportunity for the mining industry outside of china i mean it's been one of the the i don't want to say darkest clouds but it's like it's been one of the the heaviest uh sort of lines of fud that have been launched against bitcoin and bitcoiners is all oh, china controls mining blah 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 now that's not true uh if that if if the migration is really happening and that turns out not to be true anymore uh that <laughs> is really good for bitcoin if that hash rate gets distributed uh i don't want to say equally but distributed sufficiently across borders uh across the rest of the world so uh, I, I believe a lot of the chinese miners are going to kazakhstan europe Obviously, the U.S., Canada, uh, Latin America is on people's radars as well. So, go to volcano mine. Yeah, go volcano mine. Go use some hydro down in Argentina. Um, I think this is going to be good for Bitcoin in the long run. It's going to make it extremely robust, extremely resilient. And again, it's an opportunity for the rest of the mining industry outside of China to take on some hash rate scale up. And, and create a dominant business as we head into the roaring 20s here. So it's an exciting time in the Bitcoin world. And it just shows how incredibly dynamic Bitcoin is. The fact that blocks are still being produced. Yes, it's a little bit slower, but you have a huge disruption of one of the largest parts of the market, literally having to turn off all their machines and move everything on the, the, the flip of a switch, the turn of a dime. And it's happening beautifully like it's it's so crazy to think that uh bitcoin is this dynamic like you can have this big of a disruption uh, or quote-unquote disruption um and still maintain block production yes it's coming in a bit slower but we'll have a difficulty adjustment around july 1st and things will get back to normal so the beauty and of fees aren't even up so yeah whatever yeah bitcoin is incredibly dynamic it's a beautiful system satoshi should get the nobel prize in economics gbdc redemptions hurting bitcoin demand 
this is an article in Bitcoin Magazine by Dylan. Is this by Dylan LeClaire? Yeah, our boy Dylan. BTCization uh, on Twitter. Yeah, essentially diving into the fact that people are redeeming GBTC. Um, and so that the, the redemptions happen, what, at six months? It takes six months to redeem or whatever. Um, so people are, I guess they started redeeming earlier in the year. Now they're starting to liquidate that. Is that what's happening here? Um, so, I mean, GBTC is something that we've been following on this show for a couple months, at least now, specifically the premium versus the negative, which is, you know, GBTC is grayscales. Um, look like they're selling. It looks pretty flat. Is grayscales custodial product. Um, that trades on like your normal brokerage account or something like that. I mean, I don't think any of the freaks should use it commonly when retail uses it, they use it as a 401k, an easy way into a 401k, but I really think people should hold their own keys and use our boy Vanju's uh, services and in, in, in collaboration with Unchained Capital. They make it very easy for you to, to, to still get those tax benefits in your retirement account while holding your own keys. Um, but on the institutional side, a lot of people tend to be preferring it because it's very easy for them to do on a regulatory basis. It's just a, it's a very low hanging fruit for them. Um, most of these companies, even someone sophisticated like Michael Saylor, they don't hold their own keys anyway, right? They use a regulated custodian. So Grayscale kind of just handles that for everyone. Now you have two sides of that trade. You had BlockFi basically sending out pitch decks to people trying to get them to arbitrage the premium because it was trading at like a 15, 20% premium for a while. Did they, um, did they want them to lever up on BlockFi? Yeah. So they would, they would borrow the Bitcoin from BlockFi and they put it through the redemption process, which has a time lock because it's not a proper ETF. And the idea was by the time they got out of that redemption process, they'd be able to get that free money, which is that, that premium. And um, like most things in life, there's trade-offs and nothing is free. And if it's too good to be true, it's fucking full of shit. Um, and too many people tried to do that at the same time as the price started to come down a little bit. And the, the thing just fucking turned negative and it's been trading negative for I'm uh, probably over a month now, I think. Well, um, that I imagine, right? Yeah. I, I, it's for a while and it, and it concerns me. I don't know exactly, you know, what the concern is completely, but it concerns me because. I speculated for a while, even when we had the premium, that it was going to trade at a, at a negative, at a discount after ETFs got approved because it's it's still got that high management fee. It's got that 2% management fee. So inherently, it should trade at a discount, but it should trade very close to par. It should level itself out, especially if you think that that Barry will be successful in turning it into an ETF. Because if he turns it into an ETF, that redemption process becomes better. The arbitrage window should close and it should come very close to par. And right now it's very below, very below the value it should be at. And no matter how long it's been there, it hasn't come back up. So that to me, and, and we saw Barry, we saw Grayscale try to, they tried all these different techniques. They're like, we're going to buy $250 million on the open market. The thing barely budged, right? Like he's, he's like, he does all these press releases. He's like, we're going to make an ETF. The thing just barely moves. Um, so that concerns me on a separate note. My understanding of what Dylan is saying 
here is that if you're an institutional investor, you can come in through GBTC and you're able to get that discounted price um, instead of buying real Bitcoin and holding it yourself. You can get that 12% discount if you just buy GBTC. Yeah. GBTC, man, <clears throat> just buy Bitcoin. They're, they're moving fast to turn it into an ETF though. So we'll see how successful they are in that endeavor. I'm getting sick. GPTC talk. Yeah. I mean, if they don't turn it into an ETF and there's other ETFs that exist, it will forever trade at a large discount Yeah, because it's just a worse product. If they do turn it into an ETF and keep their management fee, which by the way, they said we're going to lower our management fee. That still didn't help uh, re really reduce the discount. Um, it should still trade at a slight negative to real Bitcoin as participants become aware that they can actually own their own Bitcoin and hold it themselves. Like that, it's a worse product. Custodial Bitcoin should always trade less long-term. Someone else is holding your Bitcoin for you. Yeah. <clears throat> we shall see. I think that discount's going to be there for quite a while. So be aware. Yeah. And you had like institutions piling in as well. Um, Welcome to the GBTC trade. The B word. I hope they all get fucking wrecked. Yeah. They Teach probably. them a lesson. The B word in the party risk. Announced today, Jack and Kathy Wood and the team at Paradigm are teaming up for a one-day conference July 21st of this year, how institutions can embrace Bitcoin. They're trying to demystify Bitcoin uh, and break down why it's important, how it's being leveraged currently, and how it can be leveraged in the future, um, and and really dig into the importance of, of Bitcoin and its existence on this planet right now. Um, so the Crypto Council for Innovation, which I guess ARC, Square, and Paradigm are leading, um, are running this. Matt, you will be um, presenting what are you presenting on dev incentives or Bitcoin and privacy? Uh, Bitcoin ethos and self custody. Bang, I'm bang. looking forward to participating. Bang, bang. And it looks like Elon and uh, Dorsey are going to have a, they're going to have what they called as the talk about Bitcoin. It was like Elon was like, how's that dude a billionaire? It's just like so, you know what? They're going to have the talk, Jack. Jack and Elon are going to talk it out. This is all going to be virtual, by the way. Yeah, it's all virtual. I have faith that uh, Jack will be convincing. Maybe get him a, maybe get Elon thinking straight. Not going to hold my breath though. And my understanding is twofold. So they're going to have like a live event, and then they're going to basically have cut up pieces of content from that event. So they'll have like a library of free content focused on. Um, the institutional side people so that, and just keep building up that content. So there's like a, a homepage where they can just send people that are, that, you know, are working for these big uh, companies um, and give them some Bitcoin education for free. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, I love this initiative. Shout out to Jack, Kathy, team at Paradigm. You know, Arjun um, is going to be participating as well. Uh, shout out to Yassine at ARC. Um, Looking forward to 
that event. Very important work, demystifying, having those strong voices, getting out in front and and debunking FUD and, and helping people to approach Bitcoin in the correct way, not just look at the the price, but the, the freedom enabling aspects of the technology, uh, the peer-to-peer distributed nature of the technology, the, the how it works, the why it works. Um, this is important. This is important stuff. Can't have just Kramer screaming about the price and people calling it digital gold without combating it. We need, we need voices to get out there and, and push back like, Hey, it's not just digital gold. You can do really cool things. You should, Learn about the Lightning Network. Speaking of the Lightning Network, this is on the list, but um, Ryan Gentry had um, some nice stats. All, all the, all the, um, all the uh, like met. I know you don't like metric stats, but uh, all the Lightning Network stats are looking pretty healthy right now, in terms of like Bitcoin locked in public channels, um, amount of nodes on the network. I'm looking for this particular tweet right now. Give me a second here. Uh, now my internet's being slow. Here it is. And network capacity nodes approaching 15,000 nodes on the lightning network. Channels approaching or above 50,000 channels right now. Um, and Bitcoin locked public nodes is above 1,500 Bitcoin and probably more in private. Whirlpool's double that. Whirlpool's double that. Hey, both, both driving fees, both driving fees, trying to at least. Apparently not. <laughs> um. 1500 is in public publicly uh, broadcasting channels and then you have private channels which are harder to determine um, how much is there yeah um, you would assume there's probably more um, in private I would imagine there's like probably large private channels between regulated enterprise lightning routing nodes uh, like something going between Bitstamp and Strike or Strike and Bitfinex um, or Strike and their like subsidiaries that they have around the world. Um, I kind of don't feel like that is the Lightning Network, right? Like we have, we're basically, what we're going to have is we're going to have, um, we're going to have the, the, the main Lightning Network and then you're going to have these like private networks that are existing around the sides kind of, and that interact into the, the main lightning network, which is like the, where you see all the public channels and you have, you know, uh, sovereign node operators that are running tour only nodes and have their public channels, you know, broadcasting that yeah. anyone can connect to. Right. And then you're going to have, these professional lightning nodes that are KYC run by regulated companies uh, that are going to have restrictions on who can open channels with them. And they're going to have large, really large private channels as well between their business partners, because they don't want those routing relationships to be broadcast to the world. And then on the other side for the, like the sovereign users, we'll see private channels um, 
for like end users. So like if you open, for instance, like I believe like all the channels that Breeze opens for their users are private channels, right? And those are small um, $100, $200 channels. Uh, and, and they only need like one or two to like a big routing node in order to access the broader network. Um, so if you, if you subtract the, so that, that ladder type, I don't think really accounts for that much yet. Like I, I think it will going forward as there's more end users that are using these mobile first wallets that only have like one or two channels that are all private. I just don't think those users really in terms of Bitcoin volume are a very large percentage yet. Um, I think the majority of private channels right now, and these are, this is all intuition, right? Because they are not being publicly broadcast um, are between these, you know, these large routing nodes, these like regulated companies. Yeah, I would agree with that. That makes, I mean, that would make the most sense right now at this particular time. Like, yeah, it computes. Should we get the shout outs? Sure. All right, we've got two shout outs this week. Hi, Marty and Matt. Listener from Switzerland here. I want to say that you two are awesome. RHR is fantastic. I never miss a show. We love you and your work. Your work is tremendously important for the community and for the world as a whole. The fight is tough, but we will win. Bitcoin will prevail and great peace will come. If you ask me, Bitcoin will swallow it all. The nasty elites, the fiat fraudsters, and anybody who is a traitor to individual freedom. Please keep on doing what you do. We cross the pond, do our best to spread Bitcoin, to accelerate adoption, and to get people to listen to RHR. Thank you. The world needs you because in the end, we're all Americans at heart. Americans in the sense of the founding fathers. Americans in the sense of being born to be free. And Americans in the sense to make the world a wonderful place through hard work, integrity, and love. The orange light will shine upon every single human being. Stay humble and stack sats. Cheers, Dobby. Thank you, Dobby. That was beautiful. Really appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, Dobby. Very heartfelt. Uh, I'm go grab a beer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 11.30 beer for Matthew. Um, yeah, no, thank you. I mean, like we say, we do this as a labor of love. We love doing this. We love uh, coming in week out, week in and week out. We freaks here to talk about Bitcoin do this because of you guys uh, yeah it's always crazy to to get shout outs like that uh, here's the second shout out of the week if i hear blockchain one more time uh, ellipsis thanks for the great content marty and matt much love from a member of the blockchain guild at a technology consulting firm stay strong brother stay strong blockchain guild they gave you the guild name at the consulting firm. That must feel good. This guy works at the blockchain guild. Well, he's <laughs> he works at a consulting firm, and he's on the blockchain guild team. Um, I guess something that's something HR thought would be funny. Uh, it sounds like your consulting firm is short Bitcoin. It sounds like it's a short consulting firm too, right? A guild. I, I can't think of anything but like the Lollipop Guild from <laughs> that, the Wizard of Oz. Uh, how about, I don't have this on the list, but uh, A16Z launching a 2 billion plus fund and calling it the crypto fund and not writing the words Bitcoin anywhere in their fucking 4,000 words announcement. 
is the most bullish fucking thing ever. Yeah. That is our edge freaks. Shocker. 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 Like, uh, we, I, I think I mentioned it earlier too. They were like parading Katie Hahn around on, on CNBC yesterday. Um, you think they're going to invest in any shit coins? They already have. <laughs> they will continue. Yeah, I know. Hey, the we Coinbase is just the is their dumping grounds for all their shit coins. It's the portfolio consolidation company of of A sixteen Z. It's really amazing. It's really. I mean, I guess you can't you can't expect someone to think differently than what pays them, right? Like they just make so much money off this shit that it's like, I wonder what their personal portfolio breakdowns are in terms of Bitcoin versus shit coins. That's the thing is like the shit corners, a shit ton of the shit corners have a large portion of their net worth in Bitcoin. They're not loyal. Do not see the opposite. The opposite is not true. Yeah. Yeah. They're like 90% Bitcoin. Usually if you ask any of them, oh, I'm still 90, 90% Bitcoin. Never see anybody who's like hundred percent Ethereum. Or anything like that. Not even Vitalikus. <laughs> what does that tell you? What does that tell you? Um, we're rolling into the software updates. Looks Big like up- all the devs heard your call for updates last week. Yeah. Back to work, devs. <laughs> Build. Build on. Uh, L&D version 0.13.0 has been released. Spectre DIY version 1.5.5 has been released. Running that, consider upgrading Rust Lightning version 0.0.98 has been released. We're going to read some release notes here because it's pretty major. Uh, this is what they've been working on at Square Crypto. Uh, this this Rust Lightning implementation for quite some time. And so this uh, should be considered a release candidate for the first alpha release of Rust Lightning and the broader LDK, Lightning Development Kit. Represents several years of work. Uh, designing and fine-tuning a flexible API for integrating Lightning into any application. LDK should make it easy to build a Lightning node or client which meets specific requirements that other Lightning node software cannot. As Lightning continues to evolve in new use cases for Lightning to develop, the API of LDK will continue to change and expand. However, starting with version 0.1, objects serialized with prior versions will be readable with the latest LDK. So, yeah. Seems that the Rust Rust Lightning implementation is in the wild now, at least in beta. This is something that Square Crypto team met. They said, "What do we want to work on? We want to work on Lightning. What do we want to build? We want to build an implementation. We went with the Rust implementation and a Lightning development kit. And looks like the the fruits of that labor are are being brought to market now. Um, so shout out to the Square Crypto team and everybody else who contributed." To that lightning implementation, um, excited to to test it out. Looks like we lost Matt here. We'll see if he comes back. I'll just keep rolling with the uh, software updates here. We got Join Market version zero point eight point three has been released. Um, Join Box version zero point five point zero has been released by OpenOMS. Blue Wallet version six point one point six. Has been released. You're running Blue Wallet. Consider upgrading there. Uh, Lightning Terminal version 0.5.0 Alpha has been released. Sparrow Wallet version 1.4.2 
has been released. And last but not least, Umbrel version 0.3.13 has been released. So if you're running any of that software, consider upgrading. Letting Matt back into the room now. We lost you there, brother. You muted. I am back. Thank God. I was worried about you. I had to restart my computer. Everything just broke over here. That was pretty quick. It was a pretty quick restart. Um, we just finished the software updates. Awesome. Bullish as fuck. Appreciate you uh, reading those to the freaks. Oh, hey, they, I think they appreciate it too. They, they know, hey, I have to go download my, my new software. What was your favorite software update this week? I, I think it was the Rust Lightning. It's just interesting to see them finally get something to market. You know? Awesome. What about you? I don't have the list in front of me and I'm afraid my computer is going to break down. So what's going on with your computer, dude? Um, I'm excited to see progress on more lightning implementations. It'd be nice if we didn't once again, appreciate all the work of, of developers out there that are a lot of times doing this stuff for free and doing it for the mission. And um, I'm not doing that. So I'm not trying to throw stones, but it'd be nice if we had, uh, like kind of an existential threat for for lightning short term is if it's just one major implementation. So to see other performant implementations get released and worked on um, is definitely really good to see. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Moving back to the list, MicroStrategy bought more Bitcoin. <laughs> you like that the headline? Much no. Uh, now they hold over one hundred and five thousand coins. Um, Quite a lot of Bitcoin. Quite a lot of Bitcoin held by MicroStrategy. Um, just can't stop stacking. Their uh, their cost basis on the last buy was thirty seven thousand six hundred seventeen. So they're still underwater on that um, by about four thousand dollars. It feels relevant, but I feel like we should just bare minimum talk about it. I'm kind of done with the topic at this point. Yeah. Thank uh, God Bitcoin's not proof of stake. Um, yeah. If, if we ever actually have a, a major proof of stake uh, cryptocurrency, I look forward to uh, these types of attacks happening on it because it's fucking inevitable. Like, of course, the corporates are going to try and fucking. Oh. And like the ETFs too, like between GBTC and MicroStrategy and Coinbase. Well, funny you say they that. They hold so much Bitcoin. Thank God we don't have proof of stake. Did you see what happened to the. Like what? The the Ethereum staker this week. It was like what, the, they like sued Fireblocks or something. Yeah, like one of the top ten stakers of ETH two point I think they had seventy five million dollars for the ETH, which is many thousands of ETH. Uh, yeah, their the their custodian didn't <laughs> didn't uh, back up their seed phrase or their private key, and they just completely lost it. So they lost like. 10% of stake or like I think it was like 8.75% of I don't know it like red kind of fishy the the whole thing is was just uh it seemed like it seemed like the participants of of that lawsuit lacked personal responsibility and kind of deserved it whatever happened there I agree. Like there's a lot of things we can blame proof of stake for uh I think those people would have had fun staying poor even if they were using bitcoin 
Yeah, no, but what does that do? Like, yeah, if you just have all that staked, you don't have the private key. Is it just stake in a perpetuity, and you can't do it? No one knows, Marty. No one knows. We we've already discussed it too far. All right, all right. I'm sorry. The British CF, or excuse me, the British FCA is cracking down. Uh, they hit 111 unregistered crypto asset firms with. They hit them with subpoenas, fines. No, they like shot across the bow. Yeah, warnings. So, this is very relevant um, because it's kind of been happening behind the scenes, and no one wants to talk about it. So, the FCA is uh, the British like rulemaking body, the regulator uh, that Bitcoin companies fall under, and they practically made the UK one of the worst major jurisdictions to launch a Bitcoin company. The FCA has only approved five companies so far. Um, so they just they just approved the fifth company now. Um, and there's 111, a, a large portion of that 111 they just called out have been trying to go through this approval process. Like if you think the bit license is bad in New York, the FCA's process is way worse. It's, it's extremely convoluted. It's expensive. There's no clear answers and it's constantly moving. They're constantly moving the goalposts and attacking these companies even after they've been approved. Um, so what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that we should expect, once again, we should expect most freedom-hating governments to attack freedom money. Um, and they are going to do it from these kind of different bases. And on the short term, that's going to suck for the citizens of those places, especially if you're trying to launch a business um, that interacts with these things. But ultimately, long term, it should mean that we see these businesses distribute out to better jurisdictions where they're, they're treated properly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame the British uh, do not like freedom anymore, if they ever liked it at all. Uh the FCA cracking down, making it prohibitive to run a Bitcoin company. It's a shame. It's a real shame. Um, hopefully, it doesn't happen here in the U.S. outside of New York. Um, speaking of New York, Mayor Frontrunner, he seems to want to make Bit New York a Bitcoin city. Dude doesn't even know what Bitcoin is. He just was saying buzzwords. Yeah, he's like, we're, we're going to bring Bitcoin. People like don't don't what people say doesn't matter what they do matters more. Yes, yes. Just uh, judge, you know. I'll believe it when I see it. What they do, not what they say. The good thing is, at least it's like a positive buzzword talking point now, right? And he could have said blockchain or crypto or digital assets, and he said Bitcoin. Um, I think he specifically said bring bitcoins to New York. Yeah. Which it doesn't even make any sense grammatically, but. Um, like at least it's a buzzword i guess <laughs> we have that going for us we got the buzzword bitcoin is a buzzword is it a trigger word i guess that's a I, I still think the plural of bitcoin is bitcoin it's bitcoins yeah no we disagree on that this is one of the important debates of our time um we we, we at least i think we disagree on it at least bi-weekly <laughs> uh, on, on how on how on how that that works yeah, I buy bitcoins biweekly. You you buy Bitcoin biweekly. I buy bitcoins biweekly on the cash. I stack multi multiple bitcoins. Just kidding. I wish that would be dope. 
um, <clears throat> Iran. I think sats is plural. Like, it's it's not sat. It's sats. Yeah. You know, forty three million sats, but point four three Bitcoin. Hundred and forty three million sats. Hundred million point four three Bitcoin. Hundred million sats is one Bitcoin. Two hundred million sats is two Bitcoins. It's very simple. It's very simple. It's very straightforward, Matt. I don't see how you can. What is one point two three four five? Bitcoin. It's a hundred million. That's not my point. Not a hundred. One hundred twenty three million sats is one point two three Bitcoin. 43 million stats is 0.43 Bitcoin. No, it'd be one Bitcoin. So it'd be one Bitcoin, 200 and, or 23 million sats or whatever. What was that? It'd be one Bitcoin, 23 million sats. And if you get to like 200, if you get yeah. 2.3 for... That's how we're going to pronounce it? 300. Eh. We got to work this out. The decimals, because of the decimals, it just makes more sense if it's just Bitcoin. Okay. All right. And also, it's just better for OPSEC's sakes, too. Especially in, in, you know, as the price continues to go up. That's true. Speaking of OPSEC, Iran uh, sees 7,000 uh, Bitcoin miners in an abandoned factory. Um this page is loading. Uh, we don't know if they're even Bitcoin miners, but I assume they're Bitcoin miners. Yeah. We're they said cryptocurrency computer machines. Yeah. <laughs> computer mining machines. Tehran Police Chief General Hassan Harami said that 7,000 computer miners were seized in an abandoned factory in the west of the capital city. State New Agency IRNA reported. Um, this was after... The state put a four-month moratorium on mining due to stress on the grid. Uh, What's the plural? What is if you see like seven deer? It's deer. It's not deers. What about what about like? Uh, You're still stuck up. We're talking about Iran. I, I I caught I caught twenty fish. Fishes. Fish. No. Yeah, fish. Yeah. Sorry, we're talking about Iran. We're talking about Iran now, okay? Please, you pull together here. <laughs> so, uh, Iran sees 7,000 machines. Again, they had a four-month moratorium on mining over the summer due to the stress on the grid. They didn't want miners taking electricity from the grid during uh, peak summer hours. Uh, and I guess they were able to identify this abandoned warehouse mining operation using the grid again highlights <clears throat> political risk in mining on the grid you easily you can easily be identified if you're mining on the grid and you're not registered um so beware but yeah. it also highlights what you would expect an authoritarian government to do when they're attacking miners is do they they bag and tag the compliant miners and then they make an example they, maybe they do a four-month moratorium, and then they make an example of anyone who's mining and hasn't complied, right? And what do they do at that point? They don't say, "Oh, well, take your miners and go sell them to a to a, to a, to miners in another nation that we're competing with in every other facet of the world." Uh, they actually fucking seize them and take control over them. And mine for themselves. Or or they, you know, you know, they have a, 
a dude who's like connected to the regime and they have him run the operation, right? Yeah. And well, well, they already are effectively forcing the register miners to mine for them, right? They have to give their, their Bitcoin to the central bank. Exactly. Um, so yeah, if you freaks didn't know that Iran last year at some point, uh, made it so if you're a registered miner, you had to sell your Bitcoins to the central bank. Um, I believe they're going to use that for the, the sole purpose of, uh, purchasing exports. Um, excuse me, not purchasing exports, purchasing goods from, um, outside the country. So Iran, Bitcoin mining story grows. More ransomware. Matt wants to make you freaks aware of ransomware. It's not in the mainstream PISA ransomware. This is targeting educational uh, entities in the UK and in 12 states in the United States. Um, not too sophisticated, but uh, just a, another example of ransomware in the wild. Matt, <laughs> Matt's got a deck beer. That looks, that looks very good as that flying dog. Flying dog, yeah. Because Marty Zowell in the comments asked what I was drinking. So I was trying to do it in a non... Um, well, there we go. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. No, I was done. Uh, the, the ransomware. Oh, yes. Yeah, so this is just another ransomware. I, 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 I've decided that... Um, with all the talk of ransomware being the next narrative against Bitcoin, every time I find a small little story about some random ransomware, we're going to talk about it on Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Let's expect, uh, expect the ransomware heat to heat up. It's coming. This was not in mainstream news or anything. This is just, this is like a bleeping computer article about it. Yeah. Gladstein, our boy Gladstein, had an incredible piece in Bitcoin Magazine yesterday fighting monetary colonialism with open source code. He dove into uh, the history of uh, basically French colonialism across 15 African nations uh, and basically the forced currency that uh, these African nations are, are forced to use by the French, the Franc de la Comunité Financière Africaine or Franc of the Financial Community of Africa. Um, and it just highlights very in a very detailed fashion uh the ways in which col colonialism still exists and the ways in which the the french government is, is basically manipulating the currencies of uh the african na nations that it has this weird control over um debasing the the currency overnight many times over um and really putting these African nations at a, at a terrible disadvantage. Um, and, and he also highlights how Bitcoin can help these nations and, and be a better alternative than this currency controlled by uh, the, <laughs> the French government, which is completely detached from the African continent. So very illuminating story. Uh, Gladstein doing a great a great thing to put this stuff out bi-weekly. Uh, incredible content, incredibly in-depth, well-researched. Uh, he does interviews with um, a couple of Africans on the ground um, who, who have lived through this and um, have, have been sub subjected to uh, the debasements of, of this French currency. And, and now they are getting into Bitcoin, advocating for Bitcoin as well. So 
beautiful to see. Yeah, I love I love that our boy Gladstein has been you know released in these posts every two weeks, uh, focused on 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 the the ills of fiat currency basically because you know people don't ask what the history of their money is and how their money has been used by centralized actors to influence policy decisions and make people's lives worse in a lot of ways. Um, and he kind of just pulls pulls that argument instead of being, you know, Bitcoin's bad to let's have a discussion about your existing money, uh, the, the money that you just take for granted that you just expect. Um, just really quick, Marty, what is the plural of ransomware? Ransomwares. It's definitely ransomware. It's ransomwares. I agree to disagree. You gonna uh, die on this hill, Marty? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe this is the hill I die on. It's not gonna be BitCloud. It's gonna be Bitcoins. <laughs> uh, shout out to Gladstein. He's, uh, a, he's he's a real one. He really is. Uh, last but not least on the list, Peter McCormick interviewed President Bukele of El Salvador. Very, very great interview. Eloquent. Um, President Bukele was very eloquent in his reasoning behind Bitcoin, why why he believes it's important, why he feels confident to have El Salvador go out and, and put their neck out and, and champion Bitcoin. Um, so if you guys haven't gone to listen to that or watch it yet, Go do so. Learn about the first nation state to make a Bitcoin legal tender. First sitting president to go on a Bitcoin podcast if you don't include CNBC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that seems big to me. That's that's the big headline. Boom. CNBC got a, got front ran too. It was beautiful to see. Whew. Have anything to riff on here? This is good. This is so much better than yesterday. I'm happy we recorded this. <laughs> yesterday, I was like, I tried to go to the top of this cabin, and I was just doing it on a on my cell phone speakerphone. On Marty was in bed. It was. Uh, we love you, freaks. We'll we'll ride or die. We'll be here every week. It's been three years. Every fucking week. Um, can't stay away. Uh, you guys, you guys make it worth it. Um, I had. What was it? Cypherpunkpay.org? Is, is that a new BTC pay alternative that a freak sent me that he's been working on that I have not tested out yet, but the idea is to be more lightweight and has a bit of a different trust model. You don't have to use your own node. It randomly uh, uses uh, blockchain explorers, different uh, Bitcoin explorers, and it, it uses different Tor circuits for it. So it does it in a relatively private fashion without using your own full node kind of geared towards uh, being more accessible for activists to accept donations, which is one of the use cases we've been talking about a lot on this on this show. Um, I have not tested it out myself or, you know, looked at the code in any kind of way. Um, but this is like a call to the freaks uh, who are interested in that type of thing, which I, I think there's many of us that are uh, to, to look into it because it does seem like an interesting project. Cypherpunk Pay is a modern self-hosted software for accepting Bitcoin on ClearNet and Onion websites. Project prioritizes simplicity and privacy. Being a single Linux daemon, it is easy to install with no dependencies and near zero configuration. It will run fine on a $5 VPS. Boom. Um, one thing I want to bring up too is something I wrote about the Ben earlier this week, uh, article on Recode. 
highlighting two things that I like to talk about. Uh, one, the stress on the Texas grid and ERCOT, uh, and two, spyware. Uh, apparently, there was a program in Texas with some of the energy companies. If users signed up, they basically hooked them in uh, with the chance to win $5,000 off uh, of their energy bills over the course of a year. And so people obviously signed up, hey, get $5,000 off, but they didn't realize, I guess, in the fine print, it said, if you sign up for this, we can uh, manipulate your thermostat remotely. And so during the heat wave last week, apparently a bunch of people started noticing that <laughs> their their Nest thermostats were, were up to like 78 degrees and they couldn't change them. And that was because they basically signed away the rights of their the control of their thermostat to the energy companies. And when the grid got stressed out last week, uh, they the energy company went to these people who signed up for this program and turned up their heat to reduce the load on on the grid. Um, so it just highlights the fragility of the grid in Texas, which is still mind-blowing, and then <clears throat> the, the power you give up with these spyware devices. So throw your Nest out, throw your Alexa out, your Google Home, whatever it is. Get them out of your house. They're, they're just attack vectors. You correctly pluralized spyware. Um, the I think we're going to see more and more of this surveillance capitalism, um, people opting into it, uh, giving up control of things that they've historically controlled locally um, for more convenience and easier costs. It's going to get worse and worse. And then more people are going to get burned. And as people get burned, as their friends and family get burned, as they read on the news about other people get burned, but especially as they get burned themselves and they touch the stove themselves, they're going to start to realize why it's important for us to take sovereignty over our lives again, uh, specifically in the digital realm, which is growing, you know, a larger part of our lives every day. Um, and at that point, we really need to have the platforms and the tools available for people um, so that they can opt into the more sovereign option. Um, and I, I think that it's a lot more productive getting that ready for when people are ready, rather than trying to push people to be ready when they're not ready yet. I think when, when people sense a need, they will seek out the better alternative and we need to be ready for them in that situation. Agreed. Agreed. So crazy. And they can just, it's so creepy. Fucking in the middle of a heat wave. I mean, yeah, that is that, but, but one thing is, is, is when it, when it comes to electric and gas, we, especially if, you know, if you're in a developed part of the world, we've kind of already ceded control to centralized options. Like we, we see, that's what rolling blackouts are, right? Like rolling blackouts are a centralized company. The grid operator is trying to ease portions of the grid. So they'll, they'll roll blackouts in certain areas and keep on the lights in other areas and switch. Um, what really scares me is like the ring cameras getting normalized. Yeah. Um, because doorbells were never a centralized fucking third party. And now people are completely fine with every single person going in and out of your house is just going to an Amazon server somewhere and like five other servers, you know, like that's fucking crazy to me. Going to the cops. Um, what was that? Going to the police too. Like they yeah. have like a partnership with police departments. And it's technically opt in, but like you're peer pressured into doing it because you don't want to be the neighbor who's like, what are you doing? What are you doing over there? Like you're not opting into the thing. So you have this like social peer pressure. 
And then like on top of it, it's, you know, I go over to a friend's house or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> like, why are you exposing this to me? Right. It's super frustrating. It is. It's only going to get worse and then it'll, it'll get better. There'll be some major hacks. There'll be some major issues that come up. Well, there is already like people's thermostats are getting manipulated. We've had like the instances of people's children being spied on remotely and like talked to through like the, the, the rings. Like it's already very creepy. Get it together. Get it together. We need to get it together. We need like start nine labs. Matt Hill, when he was on, was talking about building a, a sovereign closed loop security system. We need that to get out there. I cannot wait to pick that up once once it gets to market. Um, we can't end it without talking about John McAfee, sir. Never ate his dick. I really don't think he killed himself. <laughs> he didn't. Maybe he OD'd. Maybe he overdosed, but I don't think he killed himself. He was getting that good smack in uh in prison. I'm not gonna pretend he was like a legend or a king. Like people are like, God, you know, cheers to a real one. Like, dude was a fucking scammer and he was an asshole. Um, but he lived life by his own rules. And I do not think that he was the type that would kill himself. Neither do I. Which begs the question. Why did I don't really think he had that much dirt. That's the question. There's, this, there's a lot of Epstein theories going out there. I mean, he pissed off a lot of people. I think it's a very different. I think it's a very different case. I just don't. Uh, I just don't. Yeah. I. I. I think the default should be that if you, if someone tells you that someone committed suicide, you should just assume they didn't first. And like that, could, that goes with me as well. Like, I will never commit suicide. Like, you should be inherently skeptical if that is what they say. I love life. I've got a son. I'm, I'll never commit suicide. Okay. Um, we have someone in the comments mentioning this. Like, I'm not giving any more time to the asshole who refuses to take personal responsibility. And I just want to say I'm still a bit disappointed that more public people, more public Bitcoiners didn't stand the fuck up here because I think, frankly, it's pretty obvious what the fuck happened. And I've said my piece already, and that's it. Yeah. We don't need to to waste any breath on that. I mean, it is right less. I guess that's all, all I would say. It's a real shame. Very quick. Very quick fall. Uh, I mean, people act like this is a rare thing. This just happens all the time. People get too hot, too it's hot. The common, it's the it's the common ending for this type of story. Yeah. It's almost poetic how predictable it is. How beautiful how predictable it is. Who's next? Is I don't know. Let's end it on a positive note. Yeah, what should we end it on? It's a beautiful day where I am right now. I might go to the beach. It's a miserable day where I am right now. That's why I'm <laughs> recording inside. Uh, it's foggy and bright. Look at these windows. It's <laughs> crazy. What uh? What should we end it on? What should we end it on? I'm bullish on Bitcoin, man. I know we're we're hovering here at thirty two thousand. Stackers it, paradise, man. It really is living in a stackers paradise. <laughs> living in a stackers paradise. It's gonna be a great. It's gonna be a great year. 
right? Already is a great year. I'm excited for summer coming into full swing. I feel like this is going to be a fantastic summer. I feel like people are just ready to go after the last year of nonsense. The village by the sea is popping right now. Vibes are high. We got the whole, that's why I'm on the back deck. We got the whole family in the house right now. So it's uh, me, my wife, my son, my in-laws, my wife's sister, her bro, my brother-in-law, their kids, packed house. That's awesome. Yeah. I think people should just, you know, in this, in this sideways action, there's a tendency for people to uh, go a little bit crazy on the internet, uh, specifically on Twitter, because Twitter is designed to just fucking one liner at each other. Um, you know, just take a step back. Don't stop stacking and just like enjoy the little things and just enjoy your family and enjoy your friends. Um, Cause that's, that's, you know, life is short. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I've, uh, <clears throat> I've been taking a break from Twitter this week too. It feels good. Um, we have Bitcoin books asking Bitcoin and books asking in the comments, if we're going to El Zante to Bitcoin beach anytime soon, uh, we did talk about this last week. Um, we both plan on making our pilgrimage down there at some point. Uh, that's what every Bitcoiner is expected to do now. It seems, um, Marty seems like he wants to broadcast to the world when he'll be doing that. Uh, I will not be mentioning it until after I come back. Uh, but it is, it is on the list. I would love to, I would love to go down there. I will be making it down there as well. Probably not anytime in the next few weeks. I need to get a a negative COVID test. I imagine. Um, One of the guys from Barstool actually reached out to me. He wants to go down there and shoot some content potentially in November. Um, And I might meet him down there for that. Do some Barstool content with him. It'd be pretty fun. I just fucking love what they've been doing down there. I've loved what they've been doing down there before the legal tender thing. I love what they're doing down there now. I love their initiative with uh, Katie Diaz's memorial fund um, to to create an official Olympic center there for the surf team, uh, for the El Salvadorian surf team. A shout out to uh, the dirtbags in Al's lacrosse's uh, group, his chat. Uh, We raised, I believe, over 14 million sats or 0.14 Bitcoin um, for the Katie Diaz uh, Memorial Fund. Uh, so that's just awesome to see. Hell yeah. <clears throat> Shout out to the dirtbags, you scumbags. I don't know why you hang out with Al. He sucks. He's creepy. Oh, it was, it was 10.4 million sats, 0.104 Bitcoin. It's the noon bell in my village by the sea. <laughs> we have a noon bell here. Um, yeah, beautiful day. Enjoy life. Enjoy this time on this this rock that we have. Enjoy Bitcoin. Thankful that we have it at this particular juncture. But speaking of which, like we just had a very high uh, inflation indicator to the PCE. So I think it had as high as year on year growth ever. Um, so it doesn't seem like inflation is going to stop. Jerome Powell really pussyfooted around um, the inflation question on Congress while speaking on Congress uh, last week. Uh, There's really no talk of like tapering or anything like that. Like, so it seems like they're going to go full bore ahead. You have Christine Lagarde at the ECB 
really trying to drill negative interest rates into people's heads. She's like, it's good for people. It's good. It's good. She's like literally gaslighting people with like, no, don't worry. Negative interest rates are good. It's good that I steal your money from you. Um, so yeah, the central bankers are not stopping what they're doing at all. They're going to go full bore ahead. Uh, and so thank God Bitcoin exists. We have the sound digital currency, uh, sovereign digital currency in the digital age. So keep stacking. Love you, Marty. Love you, freaks. I'll see you all dispatch next week and RHR. Stay on one stack. Peace and love.